Hope Harbor for being here uh, this morning. And uh, y'all better know I'm going to preach, uh, but y'all just give me, like, it's going to be short. Uh, give me tw- just give me a little bit of time. Uh, John, John chapter 12, because uh, if I don't preach, we're going to be in this uh, series all the longer. And I know y'all are probably ready to uh, start something different. In fact, we've been in a series since the beginning of April uh, in the Gospel of John, and no signs of stopping anytime soon. John chapter 12, uh, open it up and read it for yourself. I promise you I'm going to be real quick, uh, believe it or not. Um, Yeah. Verse 12, or not. Uh, Remember the purpose of the book, uh, just in case you're you're new with us. Uh, Remember the purpose of the book is that what? So that you would, come on, John writes this, believe, all right? We're going to get this uh, some more in this text. So verse 12 of John chapter 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a uh, donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. And the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So if you remember last week, and I'll, I'll just briefly catch you up if you, you weren't with us last week. Uh, what, what happened last week? Jesus did what? He raised Lazarus from the dead, all right? So this was, according to the scripture, uh, this had just happened. And so Jesus was with Mary, Martha, uh, and, and Lazarus, and then Judas says something crazy. Last week was not Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Last week was when Mary poured the oil on Jesus' feet, all right? Just making sure y'all were paying attention. Nobody corrected me, so we were just going to go along with it. But anyway, uh, so this is just what happened. The next day, Jesus goes out, goes out and sets out on this, what we call, and probably your header in your Bible has the triumphant entry of Jesus. And there's something in here that I just want to suggest and point out to you as briefly, if I can, this morning. And, and something that the Gospel of John points out that the other Gospels do not point out when they say, the crowd sees Jesus and they say something spectacular. They say, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And John says something, and he adds something to it that the crowd says, the king of Israel. Now, what I'm going to present to you this morning, just if I can, is is this king, Jesus, does not look like any other king. And because of that, this is going to cause some frustration among the Jewish people. In fact, and we could probably assume that a lot of these people who are a part of this crowd, who are crying out, Hosanna, our Redeemer, the one who saves. The word Hosanna means save now. Some of these people we could, we could probably assume are some of the ones who are in just a few days going to be the ones that say, yeah, crucify him. Crucify him. Why? Why is that? That's the question that I want to present to us. Why is one moment we can say with all faith, 
Hosanna, King. And in the next, we could say something totally different. So D.A. Carson, Carson mentions this in, in one of his uh, commentaries that the historian jo Josephus, just going to give you a little framework of what's happening in here. That's a funny name, Josephus. Uh, he describes uh, one Passover just before the Jewish war around 70 A.D. that there were approximately 2.7 million people. Now, I don't know how you are out there counting all these jokers, but let's just, let's just assume this is a huge crowd. Now, I don't know if that's an inflated number or not, but we can be safe to assume that this is a large crowd that was there around 70 A.D., and we can assume that this is going to be a very large crowd who's meeting Jesus at this moment. So big crowd is coming out and they're shouting this Hosanna, which is this word that means save us now. Amen. And this is probably giving us this nationalistic sign because they add on king of Israel. What are they, what are they looking for? Make Israel great again. <laughs> Y'all like that? That was good. Make Israel great again. They got they got the Maia hats on. I mean, they got the and it's I don't know what color it is, but it, I mean they're like out there and they're they are like with it because they have this expectation that Jesus is going to come and rid them of the Roman oppression. Come on, Jesus, bring out your guns and your swords. Let's get this battle going. And they are all with it. So they lay out their palm branches and they are with it because they think this Jesus is going to wage a war. I mean, and all my Southern conservatives said, yeah, boy. <laughs> I mean, they are with it, man. This is their idea of Jesus. And they've had many a Jews rise up, one of the Maccabees. They did the same thing for him. They thought, this guy, he's going to do it. And now Jesus, who gives them this idea that he is God, they're like, surely he's going to be the one that does this. But only in a matter of a few days, perhaps I think we could assume that some of these people are saying, crucify him. The ones who are just saying, Jesus, Jesus, Hosanna, King. I like what John points out of, uh, he, he quotes the OT when he, he gives us a, a passage straight out of Zechariah. And I'm going to read it uh, out of Zechariah. Uh, and it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Israel, or daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a cult, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant for with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Sounds like a battle. Sounds like a war is coming. Sounds like Jesus is going to come out there and, and just, just whoop them. Something else almost came out, but I'm still working on that unsanctified part of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus is about to come out there, and he's about to take names, y'all, according to them. I mean, surely we can look at this passage from Zechariah and be safe to assume. But I like what D.A. Carson says, the three things that stand out of that particular passage. The coming of the king is associated with the end of the war. 
The coming of the king is associated with peace to the nations. The coming of the king is associated with the blood of God's covenant that spells release. So it's easy to see how these Israelites are about to get it wrong. It's easy to confuse the spiritual with the physical. Because the war that Jesus was going to wage was not a war physically, didn't require guns and swords, because the war that Jesus was about to win was a spiritual war. And so you gotta get you gotta understand some frustration here. We could we, we could understand that there's probably gonna be some frustration within the Jews. Because Jesus did not do what they thought he should have done. Jesus was not their king. He was most likely just a pawn. So here's my fear for some of us, if I, if I can. We fall into that all the time. We would rather, and this is my heart now, all right, this is, this is me, all right? Sometimes we love the idea of Jesus as king, but I would just rather have him as my pawn. And when Jesus does not do what I think he should do, you know what we try to do? We try to redefine who he is. Yeah. Jesus got you, 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 you straight up in a battle somewhere and you're like, Jesus King, save me. But sometimes he leaves you there. And so what, what do you do? Oh, this, this, surely this couldn't be the Jesus that I, that I serve. Because Jesus wouldn't want me in this situation. Surely this isn't Jesus King who wants me to continue in this marriage. But Jesus King wants you to stay in that marriage. But you want to get out of the marriage because things are, aren't going as well as you thought they should be going. So what do you do? You redefine Jesus. Well, Jesus would want me to have a good life. Jesus wants me to have happiness and all these great things. So I'm just going to get rid of all the negative voices in my life. That includes you, boo-boo. We use those lame excuses to get out of our marriage. We, leave, we use those lame excuses to get out of our situations. Oh, my kids ain't acting right. I just kick them out because, you know, they're just getting on my nerves, and I don't need all this negativity in my life. Jesus wouldn't want me to have this either. I know you don't verbalize that because that sounds utterly insane, but y'all know in your heart you do it. That's why I like... Sometimes Christian TV just gets on my nerves sometimes, you know. They, it's just all happy, 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 happy. Good. Some of y'all need to be happy because you've been sucking on a lemon sour your whole life and you look like you need some happiness, right? So please be happy. But that's not the ends to the mean, right? This is not what we're living for. Sometimes Jesus puts you in those situations. And sometimes he just wants you to stay there so you can fight. We have this idea that Jesus is our pawn. We want to use him to our benefit. But that's not the Jesus of the Bible. We want Jesus to do exactly what we want to do. And here are the Israelites right here in the setting. Oh, King Jesus, King Jesus. But Jesus is about to do something. He's about to reveal to us, how do you know he is the king of your life? 
how do you know? Like, that, that's the question I want to ask us in, in just uh, five more minutes. How do you know that Jesus is your king? How do you know that? Well, he's going to give us an answer, and we're going to read it. Uh, so pick it up in verse 20. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast uh, were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Look at verse 25. Whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And notice verse 26. Even though Jesus is your king, if anyone serves me, he must follow me and where I am. There will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, notice a little transition going on. Because so far it's been Jesus saying, my hour ain't here, y'all. Leave me alone. All right? You remember? I mean, he's like, hey, come glorify yourself now, Jesus. Crowds are pushing him and urging him to be this king. And he's always saying these things like, look, my hour's not here yet. Even when they were, uh, the Pharisees would try to have Jesus killed, he would say, listen, my hour's not here yet. But I love how Jesus, or, or this gospel presents to us who brings it out of him that he says, my hour is finally here. It wasn't the Jewish people. Were these Greek people. Finally, some outsiders are inside. And I just think that's spectacular because Jesus is like, listen, it's not just about you Jewish people, but what I'm about to do will be for the nations. How do you know that, my, that, that Jesus is your king? Watch this. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Like, what is he saying? Do I hate myself? I just hate myself. You think that's what Jesus is calling you into? Do you end your life is the coffin what he's asking you to do? Let's drink the Kool-Aid. Is that what he's talking about? Yeah, I sure do. I hope not either, because I ain't drinking your Kool-Aid. <laughs> here's what he requires. And here's what I believe he's suggesting here. Stop being the king of your life. There's only one king, and he don't share his glory with no one. You want to know if you're following after Jesus? Do you want to know if Jesus is your king? And I ain't trying to play off of Kanye, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I just see if anybody, okay. All the young folks are like, yeah, boy! All the older people are like, who? What are you talking about? How, how do you know if Jesus is your king? Stop being the king of your life. Stop living for yourself. Stop investing into your own life and start investing into the kingdom. How do you know if Jesus Christ is your ultimate in your life? I can go ahead and tell you, you're not the ultimate of your life. That's how you know. Things aren't the ultimate of your life. More money, more pleasures, more pursuits aren't the ultimate of your life. 
That's how you know if Jesus is your, your king. Is Jesus the ultimate over all things in your life? That's how you know, friends, if Jesus Christ is your king. If you're living your life for yourself, Jesus Christ cannot be the king over all things in your life. Like you keep pursuing after the raise, you keep pursuing after more, uh, more, more money, you keep pursuing after more houses and better cars. I mean, for what? Some of those things aren't bad. Like, like pursue after better jobs. Pursue after raises. Come on, y'all. I need your tithe. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's be straight, all right? Pursue after those things. Y'all know I ain't never said that in my life, okay? Just wanted to throw that out there. But pursue after. But the problem is, is when those pursuits become the ultimate of your life, and those are the things that you're bowing down to. You're bowing to your success. You're bowing to your, uh, your fame. You're bowing to your influence. You're bowing your need to yourself. And Jesus Christ can have none of that because he does not share his throne with anyone. Is Jesus Christ your king? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. And John here, he throws in something that these other gospels do not. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of of the Lord, here he is, the king of Israel. And sadly, my friends, some of them are going to miss it because they have their perception of a king. And my growing fear, or just a fear that I have, is that some of us would just miss the true and one Jesus because we have our own idea of who he is. That he's just my pawn and he just gives me things to make me happy. That's not Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate. Jesus has to be the ultimate. And I think that's the question you got to wrestle with. Is Jesus Christ your ultimate? If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Like here, here's how you know this, and he's going to answer it. I'm about to close. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And, and where I am, there will my servants be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Look, look, he answers. He's saying, hey, are you serving Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Are you where Jesus would be? That's how you know, friends. I think that is kind of how you can look at your own life, how you can look at your bank account, how you can look at your family, how you're doing your job, how you're doing uh, your, your work and all of these business deals that you have. Here's how you can know if Jesus is your king. Are you serving him? Are you following after him? And are you where Jesus is? Let me pray for us this morning.